Welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast. Over the next 20 minutes, our goal is to dig deeper into the themes and topics of the most recent Sunday teaching. We'll look to tackle some of the challenging kinds of questions that you may be thinking as you heard the message but didn't get the opportunity to ask the teacher at the time. So whatever you're doing right now, at the gym, driving, folding laundry, whatever it might be, we invite you to listen in as together we go Beyond the Sermon. Well, welcome everyone. My name is Will Heron. I'm the director of discipleship at the Ridge, and I'm also your host for Beyond the Sermon. And with me, I have in the studio again, originally Pastor Mike Van Rees. Mike, good to have you again. Yeah, thanks, Will. Yes, always good to have you. And again, I know we said at the end of the episode, but um, just a huge thank you for your prep every week, um, amongst all the other things you do here at the church. Um, we're very grateful and don't underestimate the amount of time and effort and prayer that it takes to to put these messages together. Um, so, Mike, you had us in, back in the book of Habakkuk again, and uh, we're in chapter two, verses five through 19, but you were kind of honing in on 18 and 19. And so uh, what I'd like to do for our listeners is just to take a moment to read those verses uh, before I, I pose a few questions to you here. So uh, this is God speaking, starting in chapter 2, verse 18. So, of what value is an idol carved by a craftsman or an image that teaches lies? For the one who makes it trusts in his own creation. He makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him, he says to wood, come to life or to lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? It is covered with gold and silver. There is no breath in it. Now, Mike, some people might read these verses and they might think the topic of idols might have been relevant to primitive peoples, but it's not all that relevant today. I mean, I don't know too many people in this area. You're making figures of wood and metal and worshiping them in their backyard, you know? So why do you think this topic is, is still relevant for us today? Yeah. And, you know, you can throw me into that group. I've been there, too, reading through the Bible and you're reading, oh, they're worshiping idols again. Oh, worshiping idols again. And um, I'll go, well, that's not an issue for me. I'm not, you know, I don't have a statue in my backyard. But so, yeah. Yeah, you know, my mind, I think, can instantly go there. But I do think what really is helpful is to recognize, you know, these people in the days of the Bible, they weren't unintelligent. Uh, you know, they it, it's not like, you know, they were super primitive, primitive didn't know what was going on. The, the statues, when they did have wooden statues or some kind of a, a, a statue, it actually represented something. I don't think they really thought, oh, that piece of wood is actually God. Right. Um, it represented something else. And, and we have those kind of things, too. So they weren't worshiping that specific piece of wood. Um, it's kind of like the second commandment where God says, don't make any other images of me. Mm. God didn't make an image of himself. Don't make a statue, even though it would still be worship of me through that, because I don't want that representation. Mm -hmm. So in the days of the Old Testament, some in the New Testament, some of the things that people had as idols um, were really pretty relevant to us today. You know, they had weather gods, very agricultural based culture. And so they would didn't have control over the weather. So they would say, hey, we're going to make some sacrifices to these gods to be able to do that again. Pretty um, uh I think, relevant to their daily life, romance gods. There were a lot of those, you know, love gods, relationship gods. Um, they wanted a lot of the same things that we do today. So helps not to think that it's just this statue that has nothing to do with me. I would never bow down to a wooden statue. 
but to think of idols as anything that we allow to take the place of God in our life, anything that we look to for our identity, anything we look to for our source of fulfillment, anything we put as a higher value than him. And then I think when we do that, we can recognize, well, that's not just them. Mm. That's not just a, a temptation that was there, you know, thousands of years ago. The issue that is on the table when, when we look at a passage like this in the Bible isn't, um, well, am I worshiping any idols? I think the, I, the, the better way to frame that is, what am I most tempted to put in the place of an idol? Mm. Because we all have temptations. We're all tempted to put things and elevate things at a higher level than they are. So I find it helpful just to ask the question, what has the greatest potential to be an idol in my life? And that might be a little different today than it will be a year from now. Um, but to bring that awareness into our own life, uh, I think is really relevant and really helpful on a on a daily basis. Yeah, I think that's really, really helpful, Mike. For me, kind of just trying to identify idols, I guess, in our our own lives, um, I often think has been a matter of influence. So thinking of the things that are the most influential thing uh, in your life in terms of what's affecting your bank account, um, what's affecting uh, your use of time, and especially any spare time that you have. I think you can always uh, discover what is most important to you by how you spend that time and maybe how you spend money above and beyond uh, the bills that you pay and, and that kind of thing. I want to read a quote from your message, just something that stood out to me in particular. And you said this, you said, if you want to see one of the most popular idols throughout all, all of human history, just look in the mirror, the idol of self. Uh, so, Mike, could you outline some of the the symptoms of idolizing self that maybe might help us identify it in our own lives, if this is something we're doing ourselves? And uh, second, do you have any guidance on how to avoid kind of falling into that? Yeah, and, and let me maybe preface it this way. I think there are some passages in the Bible that speak to the issue of idols, and the passage doesn't necessarily name some of the specific idols. Um, you know, there, there are those that say, hey, don't worship idols or avoid idols. And Paul has some of those. And then in those kind of situations, whoever's doing the teaching has the opportunity to kind of look at our own culture and discern, okay, what are some of the the, the potential idols today? And you know what would that look like for us? This passage in Habakkuk isn't like that. Um, this one's different. And I think it, it is significant to know that I'm not, you know, I didn't sit in my office and come up with a list of, oh, here's some things that could be idols for us today. He actually, in this chapter, lists those idols. Um, mm. He lays them out, uh, the things that they were putting in that higher position than God. And one of those is self. So I, I don't feel like this is just one that I'm pulling out. I think that it is there. Verse 9 talks about it. Uh, he who builds a house with unjust gain, setting his nest on high. It's hey, they're building beautiful homes. They're doing it in unethical ways. They're putting their own interest above others. So mm. I look at it to say this one's specifically called out here in the book of Habakkuk. And so as far as symptoms, how do we recognize it? You know, one uh, would be this. Do you live in an American suburb? Mm. <laughs> you know, if the answer is yes, um, then I think you would say it, it's going to be an issue. Um, mm -hmm. living in a suburb in America, we are constantly invited to be self-oriented. Um, that is just a, a reality that we can't escape. So if you're living in an American suburb, 
putting self as an idol is going to be something to always be mindful of. I think another symptom that comes to mind, Will, is to ask, are there any parts of the Bible that I dismiss, that I brush off, that I'm not following? Um, Because when we do that, what we're doing is not really accepting a source of truth outside of myself as my basis for truth. So Mm. that is putting self uh, above, you know, above God and having the self as the idol. So is there anything in the Bible that I'm just, nope, not going to go there? I don't buy that part of it. Mm-hmm. That would be a symptom, I think, of, of putting the self first. So how to avoid these things? Um, you know, one of the ways that is there for me, I think there's the, the spiritual discipline, and this isn't one that we talk about as much as some of the others, but the spiritual discipline of confession and repentance to recognize on, on a regular basis. This isn't like, oh, you know, God's going to send me to hell because of I'm struggling with this idol. It, it's God opening up, helping us to become aware of some of the things that we're we're struggling with, and so I think identifying that on, on a ba- on a regular basis, Lord, here's some of the things I'm struggling with. Here it is, and just laying that out, being honest with Him, and having that conversation. Um, I think that's one thing that really helps uh, me to avoid that. How about you? What what are some things that come to your mind for avoiding the idol of self? I think I I start just thinking about you know, even even the beginning of your relationship with God, God's invitation into relationship begins with a surrender of kind of the the leadership in your life, as it were. You know, Jesus says, you want to come and follow me, you need to take up your cross, you know, deny yourself mm-hmm. and, and follow me. And so you you realize like right on day one, there is a sense of of laying down the self and saying, I'm not going to be the chief leader here. One scripture I remember that really convicted me, Mike, it was a real turning point in my life when I was a teenager. Uh, Paul talks about it in Philippians. He talks about some people whose God was their stomach, uh, that they were really driven by their desires and what they wanted. And uh, I felt that was really challenging for me because I, I felt that was me, like self was king in my own life. And so coming to Jesus was a recognition that actually I was made to surrender to his ways and his purposes and to be changed into his likeness. And I think the problem arises with self when like these other things, you know, it's a good thing that becomes an ultimate thing in our life that carries the most influence. So I I look at that and I think, that's not only just at the beginning of our relationship with God, that's a daily thing of me coming and, and and surrendering to him and just saying, Lord, my life is yours. My days are yours. Any good things that you put in me, you want to use those for your glory, for your kingdom. Uh, there's just an intentional, I think, coming back to that place of surrender. So, Mike, everything that you mentioned in your message, you know, wealth, self, accomplishment, sex, marriage. These are all good things in and of themselves. As you mentioned, the problem is when these things become, you know, the most important thing or the most influential thing in our lives. You know, do you have any thoughts on how to get the balance right of enjoying things that God has given to us without giving them the highest place of influence in our lives? Feels like there's a bit of a balance there, right? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, Will, because 
this is my favorite part of that passage, you know, of Habakkuk 2. Um, I really, I, I love this part. So he's talking about idols and he's pointing out the idols and, you know, you're kind of like, okay, I have an idea, a pretty good idea where he's going to go. He's going to say, don't worship that idol, stay away from that, avoid this. And that's where I think that this passage is going to go. It's not where it goes. He doesn't do what I would expect him to do. He's not saying, do, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. Instead, I think what he's doing in that is he's saying, it's okay. These things aren't all bad. It is okay to enjoy relationships. It is okay to enjoy uh, marriage. It's okay to have wealth. It's okay to enjoy those things. It's, it, God's not saying those are of the devil. They're terrible. Uh, they're only going to lead to bad. Those can be very good things in our life. You know, as long as they're in their rightful place, mm-hmm. God gives us a lot of the things that he mentioned that turned into idols for, for our joy, you know, for, mm-hmm. our, for our pleasure. And I love that God doesn't say, stay away from all that stuff. Mm-hmm. He's not doing that in this chapter. Uh, but rather, what he does, his focus isn't on taking down the idols. As you look at where he goes with it, um, he, he two verses really play it out, and both of them are about elevating God. You don't mm-hmm. have to get rid of all the other stuff. He's saying, make sure that God is in his rightful place. And that's where verse 14, he says, be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Get that in our minds. Get that in our heads. Be aware of who he is. Let his greatness and awesomeness dwell in us. And then the idols, well, when you really get and understand how awesome God is, the idols are going to pale in comparison to that. So Mm -hmm. he's saying focus on getting God in his proper place. And then verse 20 is the one where it says, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. And that's how he ends the chapter on idols. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's just like mic drop. You know, yeah, yeah, right. That, that's profound. That's how he ends this this conversation on on idols. The Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before Him, and, and that draws my mind to to things such as worship, where you know we can just we can go through life, uh, but it's so vital for us to have these points. And God talks about these things: the value of Sabbath, the value of worship because it really reorients us. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what, what this is pointing us toward is the concept of worship, remembering who God is, remembering what he's done on a regular basis, and letting that get in, reorient our life, change our hearts and our minds. It reminds me of a phrase uh, I feel like I come back to quite a, quite a lot when I'm leading worship, which is just like we're there to give God his rightful place, you know, mm-hmm. let's just give him his rightful place, like in, in our worship. And to say that in giving God his rightful place, I think we also, in this conversation about idols, need to think about how of giving the rightful place to relationships and, you know, wealth and accomplishment and all those things, because you said those are good things. They just have a right place, you know? Yeah. Yep. And the problem becomes when we give them a more elevated position in our lives and they were actually intended for. And I actually think they buckle under the pressure of what we're looking to find in those things. And we, I think we see it in relationships a lot, Mike, where people, they enter into maybe romantic relationships and what they're looking for is like almost perfect love, you know, <laughs> like, oh, right. a, like a perfect person, like a kind of Hallmark movie kind of vibe. 
I think ultimately what they're seeking is actually that relationship with God. I think you enter into a, a romantic relationship or enter into a marriage in a much more healthy place when you're not looking to be ultimately satisfied and ultimately fulfilled by that other person. There's a quote by Tim Keller. He says, an idol is anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything you seek to give you what only God can give. Anything you seek to give you, what only God can give. So I have to say, Mike, that I feel like giving God his rightful place in our lives actually has the effect of being able to enjoy those things more. I mean, I've shared a number of times about sport, you know, being a, a danger of an idol in my life. And I have to say, when I felt like that was put in its rightful place and God was number one, uh, I actually enjoyed it so much more, enjoyed sport so much more. So Yeah, it's not saying there's not a place for it. It's not saying never enjoy it, never engage in it. It's saying, yeah, put it in its right place. Well said. Yeah, that's good. Well, thanks again, Mike, for your time today. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, why not check out our other podcast, The Ridge University Podcast. Our most recent series navigates an area that many people are in or moving toward and that is caring for aging parents. And this has already become a great resource for many people. So be sure to check that out on the Ridge University podcast channel. So thanks again for being with us. We hope you'll join us next time on Beyond the Sermon. I hope you enjoyed our conversation this week. I want to mention one last thing before we go. Our heart at the Ridge is to help people grow in their relationship with God. There are so many ways to get connected into what can be life-changing environments for you and your family. The best way to keep in touch with all that is happening is through our website, ridgelife.org, but also through our weekly e-news. You can sign up to receive this directly to your inbox using the link in our podcast show notes. Finally, thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please feel free to share with friends or family. We hope to catch you next time on Beyond the Sermon.